Welcome back to Nomads, you and I, and today we are jumping straight into this scripture hike, and it is found in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 9. For this reason, and that would go back to the fact that Jesus counted us more important than himself, and he leaves that fellowship with the Father in heaven, sets aside his privileges, comes and dies upon the cross. Mm, mm-hmm. And then it says, for this reason also, God highly exalted him. Mm-hmm. And that would be like his resurrection and ascension, where he is now pictured, seated at the right hand of the Father, our mediator and intercessor, having all authority, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And then it says, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. And I think that the idea would be that he's he just the sovereign of the universe. He's the Lord. He has all authority. He is the head over all things, and he's far above any other authority that exists out there. This is a name that we must hold, therefore, in utmost reverence. That's a good point. So powerful. Yeah, his name is not meant to be used as a cuss word, and we're not to be cussing anyway. It says, in the name of Jesus, or we might say in virtue of who he is, Mm -hmm. um, Every knee, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And I think the thought would be that every knee should bow now, but every knee will bow then. It's amazing to think about that. When you think about like the most rebellious people that you have ever witnessed in your life, one day their knee will bow. Yes. And bow there is worship. And so here would be a good thing like, as you noted last week, Cindy, some people try to make Jesus a created being and a little G God. Yeah. But you don't worship a little G God, but you worship. Mm. The Father says, at the name of Jesus, everyone should bow. And that, and bowing is worship. Absolutely. And so he is, he's 100% God. And notice the word should. Notice the word should there. In heaven, I think the idea is that the angels, the angels, uh, Book of Revelation, I think, pictures the angels as bowing before the lamb bowing before Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then it says, under the earth. And I think that's the thought. The demons recognize his authority. They tremble. When Jesus Mm. would show up, the demons, it's interesting, when Jesus showed up, demons as individuals often would run to Jesus. They didn't run to Satan. And they would ask for time. Yeah. They would ask not to be sent into the abyss because Mm -hmm. they, they recognized who he was. Yeah and his authority. It's really, to me, a reminder of 1 Peter 5, 6, where it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Like right now, let's bow the knee voluntarily with our hearts full of worship, rather than later when it's too late, with our hearts full of terror. And then it says, and that every tongue will confess. I mm-hmm. like that. Every knee should bow, but every w- tongue will confess. Yeah, they're going to confess the ultimate truth, Mark. Yeah, uh, that that Jesus is Lord. And Peter on the day of Pentecost said, let all the heads of Israel know for certain yes. that God has made them both Lord and Christ, Acts 2.36. We don't use the word Lord very much in our culture at present, but we're talking, he's the boss. Yes. He's the ultimate boss. And God is glorified and we are elevated when we confess, or you might say, own up to the reality, mm-hmm. act in accordance to the reality that Jesus is, is indeed Lord, because any other confession does not glorify God. And mm. I think it was C.S. Lewis that 
kind of made a good point that so many people want to say, well, Jesus isn't Lord, but he was a good man. He was a good teacher. And it's like, you don't have that option. I okay. doesn't give you that option okay. because good men don't claim to be God when they're not. And he claimed to be God. Right. Or some crazy men do. They're not God and they're claiming to be God. So yeah, he either had to be insane. Yeah. So he's either lunatic, liar, or Lord. Yeah. And, and, and that's your only options. Yeah. When it comes to who Jesus is. And I think when you reduce it on that level, that makes it really simple. I'm just thankful that it's Jesus Christ who is Lord. Thank heaven that our ultimate authority is a gentle shepherd, you know? That's the other imagery, that he's a gentle shepherd, that he is the best Lord that you can have. A lot of people have themselves as their own Lord, you know, and a lot of people let society Lord over them. Well, I, I think that's the thing to be aware of. If you got someone in your life who's trying to convince you that Jesus is not Lord or don't act like Jesus is Lord, that you can be your own boss and just beware they're wanting to be the boss of your life. Mm-hmm. Be very careful. They're wanting to be the authority in your life. Yeah. There, there's a scheme going on there, and don't be bamboozled. <laughs> don't be bamboozled. So, yeah. in, so in the next verse, he says, So then, so then, my beloved, or in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. don't waste his efforts for your salvation. You, know, you look at what his obedience accomplished, so you obey as well. Yeah, whether Paul's around or not, just as you have always obeyed, he said, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So there's something to take to heart. You know, when your authority figure can't be seen with your eyes, it should make no difference. A conscientious person, you know, is going to act accordingly. They're going to act as they should and behave and do the things that they're supposed to be doing, no matter who is or is not present. Something to keep in mind when you have the internet all to yourself. And don't let anyone tell you that, well, this, this stuff, no one can do this stuff. Well, this congregation was doing it. He yeah. said, you've always obeyed. And he's not exaggerating. He's not buttering them up. Yeah. They were a good congregation. Uh-huh. And God gives credit where credit is due. And obedience is not legalism. Don't let anyone oh, tell you that. Oh, please. Yeah. And grace does not negate the need to obey and he calls them my beloved like you know i really love you so if i really love you i'm gonna tell you keep on obeying christ then he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling Mm -hmm. which means that jesus had a role to play jesus dies upon the cross for us but we have a role to play too just because jesus died upon the cross and was resurrected doesn't mean that everyone's automatically saved yeah there's a role that I have, and the idea is that there are choices. That, I mean, there's choices people can encourage you to make, but at the end of the day, there are choices in life that you're the only one that can make that Yes, choice. yes. Salvation, it's interesting, is both a free gift as well as something that we're given the responsibility to work out by putting to death the deeds of the flesh and growing in our lives the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians five nineteen through 25. But man, that is serious business. I mean, with fear and trembling, he says here. Yeah. And I think the idea is not dread and terror, but I think the thought is that, as you said, hey, this is serious business. You cast a final vote. You're the one who basically decides whether you end up in heaven or hell. Yeah. And there can be some literal trembling and fear. And yeah, it's beyond respect in some cases, because I mean, there is no more terrifying thing than to fall into the hands of the living God when you are in 
rebellion. Because eternity, you, you get locked in the way you die. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, take your salvation seriously. Don't take your hobby so seriously, but take that. Yeah. Take that salvation seriously. A lot is at stake. Your motives can become impure. We saw that in chapter one. Yeah. All this demands your cooperation. You got to keep yourself in the love of God. So I kind of put down in my notes, this is a wholesome and serious caution. Yeah. What is at stake shakes the godly to our core. Then it says, for it is God who is at work in you. So you got help. Yes. You know, Ephesians 2 talked about a, sp- a spirit that works in the rebellious. And so Satan's either working in you or God's working in you, and they, they don't override your free will. But what you obey is at work in you. Well, and because it's God who is at work in us, we have no reason then to boast, right? Zero. Well, and also we got no reason to quit. We've got no reason to offer excuses I can't do it. It's too hard. That sort of nobody can live like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got help. And you've got help on a level of, it says, to... Um, Both to will. will. And that's desire, motivation. Yes. Oh, man. Pray about that, you guys. Because <laughs> sometimes you are not feeling it, Mark. And so I think it's entirely legitimate, according to verse 13, to be like, Father, I beg you, make me want to do the right thing. Well, and I think it's along with that, the previous section that we just read last podcast, yes. you know, Have This Mind in You, that was all written to help our thinking on the matter like right. have this will. Right. Have, have, look at it this way. Uh-huh. Submit to him and he will assist you with the motivation. Now, rebel against, <laughs> rebel against him. You're not going to get any help with motivation for it is god who is at work in you both to will and then it says and to work for his good pleasure his will not mine will his kingdom not my kingdom what he wants done how he wants it done what are priorities to him what does he value yeah so it's uh his good pleasure. His good pleasure is a lot better idea than my good pleasure. <laughs> yes, and it's he that provides not only our abilities, but even our opportunities and the energy that we need to accomplish his work. Like despite all of our frailties and forgiven sins, what a blessing to actually be capable of providing pleasure to the heart of our precious Heavenly Father for his good pleasure. Amazing. Then it says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. All but things, Mark? Yeah. All? It doesn't mean all, does it? Well, there are so many passages. I, I think of uh, James one twenty one, putting away all that remains of filthiness, or First Peter 2, verse 1, putting away all malice, and mm. uh, Ephesians 5, verse 4, there must be no, you know, okay. there must be no this or that among you. Yeah. So, yeah. Aim to do all things without grumbling or disputing. You know, you some people go on a fast, Mark. They'll, set, they'll be like, okay, I'm going to go X amount of days without complaining or picking a fight. Like, so if you've you got issues around this area, go on a fast. Of whatever your, whatever your hang-up is, go on a fast. You know, there's fasting apps. You know, you can go on a three-day fast from some kind of behavior that you're or bad habit like complaining so there's no grudging obedience here and it's too easy to fall into that trap because when i'm focused on me i'm always looking for an easy out i'm looking for an excuse i'm looking for a reason why i don't i'm looking for a reason why i don't have to count others more important than myself yeah or to do the hard things and so i think 
don't know, this is an interesting passage because it just kind of pops up out of the passage, but I think it's there for a reason of, okay, guys, I, I don't want any questioning or complaining about what I want you to do. Yeah, because okay. the thing is, Mark, we have been far, far, far too blessed to be anything but grateful. You know, it just makes sense that we should be grateful. But when I think about this disputing, um, do all things without disputing. Use your disputing in the right area, man. Uh, dispute with the devil. Dispute with There you evil. go. He's your real enemy. Yeah, don't be arguing with God. So the desire is, verse 15, so that you will prove yourselves to be. Now, you're going to prove yourself to be something. Yep, it's all going to come out <laughs> eventually. So complaining is a stain. Murmuring, mm. murmuring will prevent uh, arguing with God or with the text is going mm-hmm. to prevent the following from happening in your life where you end up blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a perverse or crooked generation. Right. So blameless and innocent doesn't mean so that you have never sinned. It's having repented of our sins and he hurls from us our sin as far as the east is from the west. Psalms 103 verse 12. Yeah, it's where you're honest about yourself. You are repented. You are guileless. You're not deceptive. You're not trying to be someone you're not. Mm -hmm. You're pure. We well, might say you're genuine, you're transparent. Yeah, and children often manifest in their lives their parents. You know, they're watching their parents, they're listening to their parents. And so we as children of, of God are seeking to manifest in our lives the virtue of our Heavenly Father. So you're going to need this because what surrounds you? A crooked generation. Yeah. <laughs> and that means a generation twisted by sin. That is... It's a generation that of people self-centered. What about me? Mm-hmm. God would not want to be unhappy, complaining. Yeah. Uh, see, there's plenty of that already all around us. That's commonplace. It takes no effort to do any of that. We need to be different. Right. And so one way that we need to be different is this phrase that we're to be above reproach. And so that doesn't mean that no one is ever going to falsely accuse you. So that happens to believers all the time. But the thing is, it is going to fall off you like a post-it note on fabric. (laughs) You know, it's just not going to stick. If you have a reputation of consistent behavior that is the opposite of what you're being accused of, that is going to speak pretty loudly. We went to your class reunion recently and they gave us like name tags. Yeah. And man, by the end of the night, we kept finding it was, each other's name tag yeah, on the ground. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I finally put them in my pocket yep. uh, because they just would not stick. That's how you want the false accusations to stick to you. And then it says you appear as lights in the world. I like that. People do notice you and they will come to you. People wanting light. Yeah. Be drawn, they, will, they will say, you know, there's something different about you. Yeah. Um, well, especially, Mark, in this crooked and per- perverse generation, because in some ways, because of the misuse of technology, we are more crooked and perverse than any generation before us. Yeah, that's, yeah. it'd be hard to argue against that. Yeah. yeah like crooked that. and perverse, level 10. So being a light includes the next line, holding fast the word of life. That would be the gospel, the truth, uh, holding to God's truth rather than holding on the fads or cultural popular trends or perverseness. Hold it forth and hold it out to others. Word of life, Mm -hmm. there is no life without it. It is the truth. And then it says, if you do that, I will have reason to glory or rejoice or boast 
because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. If you do that, and at the end of time when Jesus shows up, if you're still faithful, I will know that my efforts were not in vain. Mm -hmm. And that that meant a lot to Paul. I want to have pride in you at the end. I want to have a reason to glory. And it would be glorying in your faithfulness. Yeah. In order to do that, you got to be holding tighter than tight. You got to hold fast, like it says. And yeah, I, I do love that imagery of appearing as lights in the world. Because that light in the world, it's like offensively blinding to some. But then on the other hand, it's life saving for those who are looking for the direction out in the darkness. You know, it's kind of like when the Titanic sinks and you're looking for those beams of light mm-hmm. a lot like that yeah the word of life it says god's word is the oxygen of our souls so mark we need to be looking for and hastening the day of the lord right so that in the day of christ i will have reason to glory yeah paul linked a lot of things to that is that that is a certain event in the future mm-hmm. that is going to happen and so people who ignore it do it to their own detriment. Yeah, I think about that desire, and I pray often that God will make fruitful our labor among the hearts that are around us and those that listen to our podcasts and people that we talk to while we travel. That's something to pray about consistently, I think, is to ask God to make our labor fruitful. Well, and also look at your life. What efforts have gone into us? What efforts mm-hmm. have gone into you? Yep. Do you really want to live in such a way that you waste, it could be the efforts of your parents, the efforts of the elders when mm-hmm. you were younger, the efforts of the various preachers that you you know listened to. A lot of people over the years have put a lot of work into you yeah. to develop. And, and the last thing that you would ever want to do is, oh, I'm just going to make all that, all that work account for nothing. Exactly. Um, and you can do that. Galatians chapter 4, verse 14, uh, Paul said to the Galatians, I fear for you, I fear for you that my efforts, you know, have been in vain mm-hmm. as far as you guys are concerned. And I like the day of Christ. That's the final day. That's the day when no one can ignore Jesus. Yep, there he is. And that's right. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's conclude here, Mark, in verse 16. We'll pick up verse 17 on our next scripture hike. And thank you so much for those of you who have joined us for this scripture hike through Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16.